Hello and welcome back to the Girl Tries Life podcast. We have been on quite the hiatus. <laughs> just been a little, just been a little minute since we, I was last in your ears. I think our last episode was back in March. And if I'm honest, it was kind of patchy between episodes then. Um, if you're listening to this episode, thank you for your patience and thank you for being back with me. I so, so have appreciated um, the, the loyal listeners that we've had over the years. And we are over 200 episodes in the Girl Tries Life podcast. So I'm excited to start the next season of the next 200 more. So as I mentioned in my newsletter, for those of you who um, got this announcement via email, we're going back to a twice a month format. I am working a full-time job. I've got kids. I run my stressless ladies business on the side. So this is all about sustainability for me. If I didn't walk the walk in what I'm sort of preaching for lack of a better term in terms of stress management, um, I would be a liar. So I've got to figure out a way to do this sustainably while still scratching that itch of bringing these um, strategies and insights to you on a bi-weekly basis and these interviews. I have so, so missed interviewing these incredible women from all around the world who have so much wisdom and, and expertise to share. So I'm really pumped to, to be back. Now today, you know, we're off to a slightly rocky start. My microphone, one of my microphones was broken. It's been a, it's been a hot minute. So before we get into the episode, I just want to remind you, wait until the very, very end of the episode. I'm going to have a super special announcement, um, some early bird bonuses for folks who listen right until the end. But today, uh, I want to talk about something that um, was, I'll be honest, this was not the first episode I had planned to have back on the podcast, but I am seeing the term quiet quitting everywhere from social media platforms all the way up to the New York Times. Quiet quitting, in case you haven't heard the term, is the idea of not outright quitting your job, but quitting the idea of going above and beyond. So examples that are being shared of quiet quitting include not working past the hours of a typical working day, not accepting more work and responsibilities without more pay, not checking your email outside of working hours, etc. Here's why quiet quitting is not a thing. Because these are simply called boundaries. This is just setting boundaries. The reason the term quiet quitting really gets my back up is because it still has the connotation of I'm not going to give you, the employer, something. I'm holding something back. I'm quitting giving more. When in reality, it is setting clear boundaries, which is not only commendable, but I'd argue the mark of a great employee. When you communicate it, when you actually make it a boundary as opposed to this passive aggressive thing that I feel so many of these examples of quiet quitting are. Boundaries are that space between you and that other person, or in this case, a company, and what is deemed acceptable to you or not. So a business has their own boundaries, right? We call it an employee contract or an employment contract, and you have your own. Not answering emails or like out of office hours or not checking emails on vacation or whatever it may be. What I would rather hear us talking about instead of quiet quitting is why it's so damn hard to set boundaries in the workplace. How about we call a spade a spade here? I think why quiet quitting is sounding so appealing to many people is because in many examples, it's not the individual actually saying outright, no, this is not acceptable to me. 
Instead, they quietly just don't do or stop doing the thing. It is so important for us to call it boundary setting and practice communicating it because when any one of your peers starts to verbalize a boundary, it makes it easier for you to do so and so on. If you do it, it's easier for them. When we communicate boundaries in team meetings, be it virtually or on Zoom, when we communicate what these boundaries are, you normalize the conversation. You give others the confidence to speak up and do the same. Now, am I suggesting that you proactively start saying on Slack, it's 4.59 p.m. and I shall not be on Slack until 8 a.m. tomorrow. I'm not saying you should be doing this on a daily basis. Like, that's not it. Another appeal of that term, quiet quitting, is the quiet part. Right? Many of us do not want to engage in even the potential of conflict. Right? Fear of conflict or awkwardness is real. But here's the bonus. Communication isn't only verbal. You can communicate boundaries in multiple ways. Physically, verbally, technologically. Is that a word, technologically? We're going to make it a word. So I want to talk through some of the ways that you can start setting work boundaries like a boss. First and foremost, with any boundaries that you're going to be setting, it's really important to know what your own boundaries are, right? We got to start somewhere. So how do we figure that out? Well, I first suggest you look at the encounters in the workplace that are aggravating you the most right now. Is it the coworker that doesn't stop slacking you with their questions instead of checking the resources available? Is it the meetings that start during school drop-off? Is it being asked personal questions that feel intrusive? Is it being asked to do more work because you're awesome, but not being compensated accordingly for that work? Whatever is grinding your gears at work, it's likely an indication of a boundary that's being crossed. So start to make that list of all the things that are bothering you, because until we name the boundary, even if only for ourselves, we can't meaningfully resolve it. Now that you know what those boundaries are, aka how you want people to treat you in certain situations, now it's time to figure out the best way to communicate them. So let's go through the ways to communicate them like theme by theme. We'll start with the word that I possibly made up, technologically. So we live in an online world and we use technology to run our work lives. So let's make sure that technology is actually working for us as well. So whether you use Slack, Teams, Outlook, etc., start to be really thoughtful about how you show up on those tools. Do you answer a Slack message the second it comes through? Or are you making use of the status updates so that people know you're busy, occupied, or do you even set yourself to away for a chunk of the day to work on busy projects? Do you (gasps) delete the apps from your phone? (laughs) For the longest time, I had deleted Slack and Outlook from my phone so that the only time I was communicating with work was when I was in front of my computer on my laptop. And then I had to travel for work, so for ease of access, I added Slack and Outlook back to my phone. And you know what? Following that trip, I forgot to delete them. And I wondered why for the following months, I started thinking about work more and more outside of working hours. I wasn't overly conscious that I'd started checking Slack and email messages in my downtime, just like Instagram and Facebook. But once you make that realization, 
Delete them. Do you really need them on your phone? And if you do, is it just for a period of time? Delete them once that travel or short-term need is over with. Be conscious about when you do or don't communicate outside of working hours. Set clear out-of-office replies so folks know where to go to for what, who to go to for what, but with an expectation of when you will or won't respond. So I worked with a CEO at a tech startup once whose out-of-office reply was on all the time, and she advised that it took up to two business days before you could expect a response from her. It was such a clear boundary and expectation setting for everyone and anyone who emailed her. And you know what? The world didn't stop. That tech startup is still in place, right? Like, the world doesn't end when we let people know our boundaries. So side note, and this applies to all boundaries, if you are expecting them of other people, you need to uphold them for yourself. And sometimes that can be harder. So what do I mean by this? I mean, if you say you're not going to respond after working hours, don't. Like, I know that sounds obvious, but if you start doing the thing you've told people you won't do, you're sending mixed messages and you won't get people to treat you the way you're not even treating yourself. So if you are working after hours for whatever reason, make sure your status is set to a way so that you're not confusing other people and undermining yourself in the process. So physical boundaries. In our work from home world, this may not feel so obvious for our coworkers right through the screen, but in the workplace, this can be visual physical cues like wearing headphones or closing your office door if you have one to signify not to disturb you. Working from home, this can be the same for your family or your roommates. Like I work in my bedroom, so when the door is closed and lock, locked, that's the cue for my kids that I'm busy. Do they always listen? No, I often get people knocking at the door, but I do my utmost not to answer them because again, if I answer them, I'm teaching them that even when the door is locked, they can get my attention, right? So follow through with what it is that you've said. Um, physical cues are also, you know, physical boundaries are also things like, what are you doing with your body? Where are you taking your body? If you cannot go to things after work because you've got your own, um, your, you know, you've got your own social life, you've got your own family life, don't go. Like, unless absolutely required. Where you take your body, important. Um, and it's entirely up to you, Right. Other physical boundaries that we're seeing a lot in the workplace are, will you or will you not work from home or work from the office, right? If you are not comfortable going into the office right now, you know, make that clear to your manager, make that clear in the hiring practice when you're in interviews or whatnot to make sure that you are not put in a position that you're uncomfortable with. Everyone is still, you know, we're still two years into COVID and I know a lot of people are like, it's over now, but like everyone's situation is entirely different and we have to respect that. COVID aside, for a lot of people, working from home has been such a game changer. Like, I know for me as a working parent, I can get a load of laundry on during the day. I can go for a walk instead of be commuting. Like, there are different needs that this fills for everybody. So what are your physical boundaries? Where are you taking your body? Where are you not? How are you physically signaling that you're busy or you're occupied or um, that people can or cannot treat you in a certain way, right? We also have our body language. 
you know, our body language can go to that sort of nonverbal cue, right? You'll see it with people. If they're uncomfortable with how you are treating them, their arms are crossed. You're probably doing it yourself if you're uncomfortable with other people, right? Your arms are crossed, your body is closed, you're maybe not making eye contact, your facial expressions, like what our bodies are conveying about us physically is pretty apparent. So how are you communicating with your body to other people? What are the cues you're picking up from them in return in terms of boundaries? Okay, so what about verbal boundaries? The, these are the words that are coming out of your mouth. Do they hold any weight? By which I mean, are you being clear about this is the problem? This is how I want to be treated or what I'm willing to do or not do? And here's the consequence right? Of if that boundary is crossed, right? This could be, um, you know, being spoken to in a way that you don't appreciate by your manager. I think a lot of us have been through this. Now, let me be super clear. There is a bit of a privilege in verbalizing boundaries. I'm fully, fully recognize that, right? Depending on your, your situation, if you are barely scraping to get by and you absolutely need this job, you know, our different situations are going to mean different people put up with different things at different times in their life, right? There's just like, I've just got to put that out there because there is a privilege in speaking up and possibly facing consequences for that. But verbal boundaries is essentially saying, this is okay. This is not. And this is what the consequence will be. So another example could be you come back from vacation. You come back all refreshed and you're like, do you know what? I'm not going to go back to checking emails in my downtime. I don't need to do that anymore. And you, you sometimes have to verbalize that because if you've done things differently before, it is a changed behavior. So you can say to your team members, your, your manager, your, you know, direct reports or whatnot, I no longer check emails in the evenings. Um, you'll expect a response from me in the next day or kind of like that tech startup CEO, you know, within two business days, you can expect a response, whatever it looks like. Um, the consequence, it doesn't, if you're communicating a boundary of how you're going to act, there's probably not necessarily a consequence that you have to communicate. The consequence that you have to communicate really is around, um, if other people cross a boundary, like if other people start emailing you after hours and you're not seeing it till the next day, does that matter? Probably not. A boundary that you may have to communicate, however, is if someone's asking you to do work above and beyond your job description and your pay grade and you're not comfortable with that. Maybe you are comfortable, you want a learning opportunity, you're bored, you want a little bit of growth. That's a totally different situation. But if you're in a situation where you're like, nope, I can't do that. I can't take on anymore. I don't want to. doesn't matter what the reason is, right? You can have that conversation of, I'm not comfortable taking on work, you know, outside of my job description at this time. Maybe we can discuss if you want me to take on that that opportunity, what else is going to come off my plate, right? So that's the consequence, right? If you want me to do that thing, there's a consequence. Something has to move. That's a clear communication and it still gets to the same end goal. Either something comes off your plate or you get compensated more. You know, like the, it's kind of a win-win situation to communicate that. But what you're saying is, what you're communicating to that person is, I will not be walked all over. And, and that's okay. Often people respect you for that. The quiet quitting part that I don't like about it is the not having the conversation. 
Again, like I said, there's a bit of a privilege to this. So maybe, maybe I'm getting it all wrong. Maybe quiet quitting is for the people who are not in the situation of feeling like they can say anything. But I think there's a difference between truly feeling like you can't say anything because of the consequences of losing your job. And then I think there's the not wanting to say anything because we don't like to feel awkward. Most good things in life come with a little discomfort. And the more you start to set boundaries, the easier it gets. And I always say to my clients, start with low hanging fruit, right? Don't start with like the biggest, baddest boundary if you've never set a boundary before. Start with something small. You could start with the nonverbal things. You could start with the like setting your out of office reminders or like not being on Slack for an hour a day or whatever it is. But when you communicate it, you build that confidence for yourself and you go, huh, I can do it. It's not that scary. Another example of the verbal boundary setting can be that delegation of work, right? Or clearly communicating to someone, thanks for thinking of me. This is actually not in my job description. I believe it sort of falls under the purview of so-and-so, whoever is more responsible for that piece of work. If you take it on, you kind of tell someone that you're uh, the jack of all trades and it doesn't matter you'll put more on your plate even if it's even if um, someone else is uh, more responsible for it we've got to learn to create that clear structure both for ourselves and for other people and not take on more that is not really in our our wheelhouse and and the thing about that is it also benefits other people right if you're saying yes to something that actually should be something someone else is doing a, you're creating a bit of weird tension between you and that person. B, they're supposed to be more trained to do that work than you. If nobody is around to do that work, right? Like if there's truly nobody else that this, you know, job description belongs to, that's when you can have the conversation around compensation, right? I'm taking on more responsibility. I'm taking on uh, this extra project. I would love to be able to um, ensure that my compensation is in alignment with the work that is represented in my job description. Like have that conversation. Um, and those aren't easy to have. I have had them. They're not easy to have. But the more you do them, the easier it gets, right? And even if you don't get what you've asked for, I've made asks and not gotten what I've asked for, then you have information. And you have information to decide what are you going to do differently? Are you going to make different choices? Or are you going to, you know, reinforce the consequence of that boundary, right? If I'm not going to be compensated for this, if it's not going to benefit me in any way, then I'm going to say the word, no, thank you. Like, I know it's a lot easier said than done, but it makes a huge difference. So the last thing I want to touch on with the sort of setting boundaries like a boss is knowing that people will cross your boundaries. Even if you've made it crystal clear what the consequence will be or, wh or what that looks like, people will still cross your boundaries. A, they've probably had a lot of practice at it. B, they probably don't have their own, so they don't respect other people's because they don't necessarily respect their own. So you've just got to follow through, right? And whether this is with a consequence that you've already communicated, like I won't take on this responsibility if I'm not compensated accord accordingly, or whether it is around not checking and not answering that email after hours, or whether it is, you know, using the phrase per my last email, how many of us have sent those, right? Because people just ignore what we said per my last email, I will be doing X, Y, Z. Okay, so... 
that kind of wraps things up. I don't really believe in quiet quitting. For the most part, everything I'm seeing on social media feels a little bit like passive aggressive or not taking that really important step of setting that clear boundary. And I think the only person that hurts in the process really is you in the long run. Set clear boundaries. People will respect you for it. It is a muscle that you can flex and learn to do. Just remember clear, concise, professional, like don't be rude about it, right? (laughs) Like just be really clear, calm, and collected and you'll see huge gains personally and professionally from it. So that is my case against quiet quitting and for clear boundary setting. Okay, so I told you that I had a big announcement at the end of the call. And that big announcement is that on September 28th, we are launching the next cohort of Stressless in 90 Days. So Stressless in 90 Days is my signature group coaching program where we guide you through all the principles in my book of stress management so that we can give you lasting stressless behavior so that you can really learn the tools and practice them with a whole heck of a load of accountability to kick stress's butt. Now, because here's the thing, stress is always going to come in your life. I'm not saying that you're going to finish this 90-day program and you're never going to be stressed again. That's not realistic. That's not life. But you will learn and have practiced the toolkit to help you bounce back faster, stronger, really more confident each time because you'll know how to get from point A to point B. Even if it's a little rocky in between, you'll have the toolkit to get there that isn't just wine and chocolate and Netflix. Not that I don't love those things. Wine and chocolate and Netflix are all great. But I want you to stress less sooner and faster sooner and faster are the same thing. I just realized that. I want you to stress less with ease, right? I don't want you to be fighting this uphill battle to figure out how you, you know, hack your own stress. I think all of us, so many of us are feeling like we don't know how to deal with our own stress. Nobody taught us. Yeah, you're right. Nobody taught us how to do this. Most of us grew up with Um, in a society where it was like, work hard, play hard. But here's the thing, work hard, play hard is pretty exhausting. I want you to figure out how to work balanced, live balanced. And maybe that sounds boring, but you actually find there's so much more opportunity for joy in the little moments. And you can really enjoy all moments of play and all those moments of work without having to burn out and burn the wick at both ends. So that is what this program really is about. I am going to guide you through 12 weeks of group coaching. So every week we're going to meet with this small intimate group of women and talk through this program. We're going to leave each week with action items and you're going to be accountable for them for the next week. And do you know what accountability means? Accountability means you get shit done. It means things start to happen. How many of us have picked up a book or signed up for a self-led program and like maybe done it for a week or two, but that was kind of it. That is not what this program is. This program sees big results because it is big accountability and it's also huge support in the process. This is not leaving you to sink or swim. This is giving you all the support and all the encouragement and a little tough love maybe from time to time to get to where you want to be. Are you going to be a Zen monk on a mountaintop at the end of 90 days? No, but you are going to be in such a better place and be able to weather the storms that are going to come your way. I am 
so excited about this next cohort because this is honestly one of my favorite things to do. My favorite things is to coach this program and I'm only running it once over the next 12 months. The reason being I've got some big exciting travel plans next year so like running another 90 day cohort just doesn't really work for the spring or summer of 2023. So if you have been dying to do stress less in 90 days, September 28th is when we are kicking off. So if you want to learn a little bit more about um, what it's going to look like, you want to maybe have a quick call with me, like a 15, 20 minute call to see if it's the right fit for you, email me, Victoria at Stressless Ladies, and we'll, we'll have that conversation. We'll set that call up. But essentially, if you sign up before the 14th of September, you're going to get over $200 of extra bonuses, bonus content, and you're going to save 25% on the cost of the program. So normally this program runs for $17.50 for the three months, and you can break that into a payment plan to make it super easy on yourself. But for a limited time until the 14th of December, 14th of September, sorry, you're going to get early bird pricing and get that for $12.50. So I'm also going to throw in some incredible bonuses, a gift that's going to be coming to your door, um, some bonus content and material that not just everybody is going to get. So if this is of interest to you, set up that phone call with me or message me on Instagram and, and we'll connect. But who is this for? How do you know if like this is the right time for you? If you have been feeling overwhelmed, burnt out, exhausted, and the like quick fixes that you've tried haven't worked, this is for you. If you're ready to do some work, because there's some work that's associated with this, but I swear to you it is sustainable even if you've got a busy life and a busy job, if you're willing to put in a little bit of work, this program is for you. The people that show up week in, week out, even if it's a bad week at work, even if it's you having a rough time with your kids or your friends, your partner or whatever, if you still show up, you will see a huge difference in this at the end of the 90 days of doing this program. So more information to come, more to come in the newsletter, more to come on social media. You'll be hearing a lot about this program over the next four weeks before it starts, essentially. But I am so, so incredibly excited to launch this next cohort. It is limited to a small group, maximum six people. So if you want to snag one of those spots, I would snag it early. Okay, take good care. And I'm pumped to connect with you on the podcast again in two weeks. Have a great day.